marriage. And we are in our third week of our SOAP series, a series where we've been talking about just a different approach for our church in how we read the Bible. And it's been, uh, it's been great kind of getting some feedback from everybody, listening to what you've been thinking through. Um, I've especially loved the questions that you've been asking about certain passages we read, like, uh, why'd you have us read this? And I thought that was great. Or why can't you write questions like so-and-so in our church? And I'm like, uh, because they're awesome. And so if you don't have it, one of the things that we've been doing is uh, this SOAP thing, just so you know what it is. It's really an acronym that we've been going through, S-O-A-P, simply standing for scripture, which we talked about last week, observation and application, which we're going to talk about this week, and then ending our time with God in prayer. And it's, it's really, really simple and easy. It's not the only way to read the Bible. It's just the way that we try to help each other and encourage each other because it makes for great conversations when the whole church is doing something together. We like that. And we've tried to make it as easy as possible. Um, if you, the Three things that you really need. You need a guide, and we have those made up for you. There's a couple extras if you need it. We would love to get you one. We've got a Bible. If you need one of these, we would love to give one to you. Best book ever. Um, you're going to love it. It's most of the time. Um, it's great. So you're going to need that, and you're going to need a pen, which I don't have on me right now because I don't need to write. But you're going to need those things just to kind of process your ideas, your thoughts. And uh, the good news is we have all of that for you. You just got to go grab it. No problem. As I was preparing this week and thinking a lot about our observation application, I was reminded of a phrase that my dad had often said, and you should know my dad's a chiropractor and a nutritionist, and that might make this make a little more sense. He didn't just say these things. But he always said, one bad meal won't make you fat, just like one good meal won't make you skinny. Consistency is key. And I, I just remember him saying this over and over in his office to anybody he was helping, trying to lose weight and, and get healthy and trying to make uh, better choices. He would say, listen, it, it's consistency that's going to be the key for you. It's don't worry about just that one blow up or that mess up, stopping at Chick-fil-A or McDonald's, you know, once in a while, this is not going to kill you. But if you eat this every single day, your body is not designed for this, right? The same is true for us when we step into this habit of reading the Bible, this habit of meeting with God. I know as a church that we really value our Sunday mornings together, that there's so much joy that we have when we get to sing together, worship together, and when we're diving into the Word. It's, uh, I've heard phrases like, it's like a really good Sunday dinner when we're together. And I love that phrasing. Like, it just feels like you've been filled up with food and fellowship and laughter, and you leave going, roll me out has been a good day, right? It's a good thing. But that really doesn't always last us to tomorrow, does it? We lose that feeling so quickly, and that's why our consistent time in the Word throughout the week is so important. Some of us, this last, uh, you know, 14 days or so of reading, you've missed a day. You've missed two days. You've missed 10 days, and at this point, you're like, I'm just mailing it in. I'll wait for the next thing. Like, I'll wait till this is over. And you pushed your Bible aside somewhere and went, I'll just wait it out. I'll try again another time. And I just want to tell you, if we're going to build a habit together, we got to sharpen each other and encourage each other. You can pick that Bible back up, grab your journal. This is not about trying to like make up for the time that you might have missed if you missed 10 days. Guess what? Just skip to day 14. I think we're on today, right? Just skip to the day. Just don't even worry about it. What did you miss? 
stuff you could read later. Jump in today and just get back on because it's building the habit that's going to be the most important thing for you. We're doing this together. It's worth the time. It's worth the effort. It's worth the energy. And I guarantee you, very rarely will I ever stand up here and guarantee something like a car salesman, but I guarantee you this. I guarantee you that if you spend time daily with God, soaping, just simply listening and reading his word and listening for him, I guarantee you, your life will look different by the end of this time we soap together. I guarantee you, you'll feel it because consistency is going to be our key. Um, and as much as, uh, I'll be honest, I love one good salad, and I have been the guy to go, like, I feel like I'm too, I weigh too much right now. I eat a salad, I jump on the scale, and I'm like, but I didn't lose anything. Anybody else ever done that before? Like, you try to eat healthy for a day, you jump on the scale, and you're like, but it didn't happen the way I want it to. Um, I, I don't know why it works that way, other than consistency is the key. And that's what I want to look at today a little bit when we talk about our next two letters, the O and the A. And uh, the O is observation. And when we talk about observation, we're simply talking about the ability to see what we're reading. I know that probably sounds weird, but we need to see what we're reading. And when we talk about application, we're not just seeing what we're reading. This is doing something with what we've read, right? Doing something with what we've read. And I'll be honest, these are two of my favorite parts of soaping. I love the scripture piece of it, but I get real excited with what kind of things did you pick up and what do you do with this? I get pumped about these things. And I know that not everybody feels the same about observation um, and paying attention to what's happening around them. Are there any like super observers here or online where you just tend to be aware of everything that's happening around you. You're like picking up on conversations here while you're doing this and you're like seeing everything. Anybody like that? Oh, a couple of you're like, I'm not saying it too much now because then people are going to know I'm watching. I understand. Okay. It's like always watching. Anybody feel like, and you could be candid. We're transparent here. You're oblivious to the world around you and you like your own little world. Yeah, all right, there's some of you here that are like, wait, there's a world outside of where I, I walk? Um, yes, yes, it's there. Observation's funny because I don't think everybody sees things the same. We all observe different things. And the first thing that I want you to understand when we talk about observation is that observation will always lead to revelation. Observation leads to revelation. There are times that we have issues in our life that we need help with, right? There are times that we're sitting there going, I don't know what to do. And what we're really trying to say there is, I need a revelation. I need an idea. I need a path. I need something to come into my life to help me tackle what's tough. And we use phrases like, I, I, I just feel like I'm stuck in the dark on this one, right? I need someone to shed some light onto this issue in this situation because I don't know what's going on. What we're hoping for there is revelation. We're hoping for revelation. The idea of getting lost and not knowing what to do in the dark is, is actually not new to us. This has been part of humanity since Genesis chapter 3, like we read last week. This has been part of our issue. We just get lost. And this is why I love the Bible so much, is it brings about revelation. It helps illuminate what's in front of us. And 
I would love, well, it's, it's great. There's a, a chapter in the Bible, uh, Psalm 119, which Jeremy read a portion of that for us. This is the longest psalm in all of, it's the longest chapter in all the Bible. It's, uh, if you have uh, a Bible with you, I would love for you just to turn to Psalm 119. Um, it's the biggest of all 150 psalms. It's like 176 verses. It's, it's a bear. When we get to this point, as we soap through the entire Bible together, if you want to use a homework pass, this is the time, okay? You're like, I'm mailing, like, I don't know, I don't have like 45 minutes to work through this, because it feels like a lot. But while it feels like a lot to us, to the original readers and to the original authors, um, it's not overwhelming. Believe it or not, this psalm that we're going to look at for a second, Psalm 119, um, it's, it's huge, but it's actually broken up into about 22 sections. And each of the sections of about eight verses or so, they all start with the same letter that go in the line of the Hebrew alphabet. It's basically a giant way to teach your kids the alphabet. And every verse starts with the first letter, then the second. And so for the average Jewish audience who would have received this to begin with, when they sang this song together, if you're like, oh no, I forget the next verse. It starts with B, okay? And that's how they would, it was kind of a memory thing. Does that make sense? So we look at it because not everything starts with the same letter in English, but it does in the Hebrew. And I do wonder, since we know these are all sung together when they worship, when they get to Psalm 119, is this like their rock opera? Is this the, like the 15 minute song on the album that you're like, oh, this is gonna be awesome. I can't wait for the interlude where they really get into the guitar, or I guess it would be like the lyre. You know, I don't know what they play, but these were easy for them to remember. And so it would have been very easy for them to find verses that they needed to pull up. And what's cool about this whole psalm is it was built around the consistency, the importance, the value of God's word and instruction. I just love that. Let's jump back all the way. Uh, if you're in Psalm 119, if you go all the way down to verse 105, this is a section that I want. I just want to read a verse and then come back, and we're going to go to the section Jeremy read. This is what it says in verse 105. Your word is a lamp for my feet, a light on my path. The image the author is using here is pretty easy to pick up, right? It's that God's word for us is a lamp. It is a light. It's designed to show us where we're going. Um, ha have you ever been out in the woods at night? Okay, some of you, you're like, yeah, I live there. Um, I'll, I'll be honest with you, the woods freak me out at night, and I do keep a flashlight very close to my house, and I live in townhomes where there's lots of light, and I still get freaked out. I don't like the dark. It makes me very, very nervous. And so uh, the best thing that you can do when you're trying to stay on path at night is you have your flashlight, right? And this is, even through these lights, it's pretty bright on the ground. I can see, I can, you know, you keep it on the path. This is what we do, right? It's pretty easy. Do you ever try to stay on the path and hand your flashlight to the kid who's bugging you? Can I hold it? Can I hold it? I could tell by your giggles you know what happens to this flashlight, don't you? This flashlight Right? Even though we know it can have a wide range, it can be tight onto the path to see like a bigger or a smaller, the moment you hand it to a kid, <laughs> that does you no good, does it? The moment you hand it to a kid, 
And when I say kid, I mean when I hold the flashlight is really what I'm saying, okay? Um, <laughs> you know when they get excited about something and they're like, oh my gosh, we got to go this, and, and does this do any good? No, it does this no good. A flashlight in hand does no good when you make your cheeks puff up and get all shiny. It does no good when you wave it around because you're excited. It does no good when you turn it off and you're like, I'm holding it, but what good is it? Nothing. What is the best way to use a flashlight? The best way to use a flashlight is to aim it on where you're going at night. Put it on the path so that you know what your next steps are. You know where you are supposed to go. And scripture works the same exact way for us that we can not rush our way through the Bible and think, I've checked it off, I'm done, because we will be running in the dark. Scripture is supposed to be a light for our path. And I believe too many people in our culture and in our churches are running around blind that we are, we're keeping the light inside and it's never making any difference outside. And listen, I know that within the Christian subculture and, and outside of it, there's tons of leadership books, that there's motivational books, there's podcasts, everything to inspire us on how we should live our lives better and what we should be doing with it. But I, I want to tell you that those are not the best lights for your path. Are they helpful? Sure, they're very helpful. But are they the best light? No. Because every one of those strategies changes. Do you know why? So you'll buy the next book. So you'll go to that conference to get more. When we read the Bible, and we read it in the context that it was written, it begins to illuminate our path and give us revelation for what our next step should be. Very, very rarely will we ever talk about the Bible here on a Sunday morning or even in our life groups and we take a verse out of context. I know some of you get so frustrated with me when you quote some verse from the Bible and I'm like, yeah, where's that found? What are you talking about? You're like, I don't like when you do that. I do that because we cannot afford to throw random bits of light into people's lives because that's like blinding them without good context. We have to have the full picture. We don't rush through the Bible here. We take our time with it. We spend time in a whole chapter instead of just a portion of it, don't we? When we unpack it together, we're looking at all Psalm 105 or we'll always say phrases like, well, let me set this up for you because the context becomes important. It's too easy to take things out of context. This is why over 40 days, we're doing a full survey of the Bible together. What's the whole theme? What's the picture? What's the ideas? But at the same time, we have our guides where we don't rush it. We slow down to observe. What does this mean for me? And what am I supposed to do with it? God is in the business of sit-down meals. This is who he is. Not on the go meals. He wants to sit at a table and let his word light up our path to shine light on our way, to work on our souls. It's not about grabbing chicken nuggets in the car on the way and thinking, I'm good to go, right? You, you grab your fries and you're like, Jesus, I, you know, take the wheel. Nah, you just take the fries in the backseat. I'm going. We can't do this. We have to slow down and be intentional about being with God. And that's why the author of Psalm 119 and that passage that Jeremy read, it was so crucial. He this, this passage that he read is actually from the second section of Psalm 119, the Beth, it's the second letter of the alphabet. And I'll read it for you again quickly, just so that you remember here. It says, how can a young man stay pure? By obeying your word. I've tried to, hard to find you. 
Don't let me wander from your commands. I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. I praise you, O Lord. Teach me your decrees. I have recited aloud all the regulations that you've given us. I've rejoiced in your laws as much as riches. I will study your commandments and reflect on your ways. I will delight in your decrees and not forget your word. I just love how the author starts out this section right here. And he's like, he shines a spotlight into his own life. God, how in the world can I stay pure right now? And there's a simple answer that he's given by obeying God's word. He doesn't make this complicated for us, does he? But I think there are lots of us that relate more to the, the, the first part of verse 10, where the author says, I've tried hard to find you. I just love the honesty of the psalm sometimes. And this is one of those moments. I Listen, God, I've tried hard to find you. I've tried hard to read the Bible. I've got nothing out of it. Do you understand, God, how frustrating it is? I don't understand this. I can't get anything out of this. It's not even worth my time. I tried it. And so what do we do when we try and it doesn't work? It's not for me. And we give up on it. The author's request to God is, oh, dear God. God, please don't let me give up on this. I've tried so hard. Please don't let me give up on this. Don't let me wander off this path. Don't let me wander from the light that's put in front of me. I need to be focused. I need to understand. And he's got this really cool secret in verse 11 that I just love. And, and he says and to keep off the path. And in verse 11, I have hidden your word in my heart so that I might not sin against you, right? It's not so much all the time about I've been reading and reading and reading. He's saying sometimes I am away from the path and I don't have my scroll to open up and I'm going to wander. And so what have I done? I've hidden your word in my heart that keeps me on track because that goes with me wherever I go. I've hidden your word in my heart so that I wouldn't sin against you and like Jesus last week, right? He's not unrolling scrolls in the middle of the desert when the tempter comes to him. He's got it hidden in his heart and he pulls it up. If you want to memorize scripture, that will not happen very quickly. And if you're here as uh, our, our kids, our teens, let me tell you, your brains are at the best place right now to learn things. The older you get, the harder it gets. I expected a much heartier amen from you older folks here with me, right? It, doesn't it get harder the older you get to memorize things? I, I can't even make it through a, like a shopping trip without having a to-do list at this point. Memorizing scripture? Let me tell you, it takes so much effort. But the author of Psalms says, if I want to keep my way pure, how can a young man keep his way pure? By living according to your words. So therefore, I have hidden your word in my heart so that I will not sin against you. I need to be reminded of this. You got to meditate on it. It's the difference between studying something that you care about and studying something you want to pass and move on, right? When, when I was in middle school, high school, I hated history. It was like the worst class in the world for me because everything was dates that I had to, to get down. And so honestly, at that point, I didn't care. And so I memorized things with the full intention of forgetting them. Like, this does not need to go into long-term banks here. Um, you know when you do that, like, hey, tell me what you remember from that test. And we're like, I don't even remember what questions were on it. 
We didn't care. We memorized to pass it, not memorized for transformation. But there was a huge difference when I began to study for my ordination in our denomination. This was a huge test that I had to pass that was way more important than a lot of the other things that I had done in my life. And it was a ton of work, but my intention was very different. I didn't just have to pass it because it began to change my life the more I thought about it. Will, where are you at? It's a lot of work right now, isn't it? Would you pray for your pastor? He's putting this time and effort into trying to get his to be ordained. It is so much work, but it transforms who we are. You look at these things different because they matter. I, I wanted to remember this, so I began to observe it more intentionally. I get that sometimes we feel rushed, that we feel like we're running out of time. I know all the excuses that every single one of us have. But this is so much more than just about finishing the chapter. If we want to observe, we're going to have to slow down in hopes to receive revelation for our path, to know what we're supposed to do. We're going to have to treat time with God like it matters. And I'll be straight with you. Revelation doesn't always come on the first time you're reading it. It may not even come that day. It may not even come that month or that year. But I know that God's word is alive and active. And I love that in my life group, what has impacted some has not impacted everybody and it's been so different. But there's been the revelation that we need for the season that we're in and it's just looked different. It comes with consistency. God wants to be heard and one of the main ways that he will speak to us is right here, okay? This is one of the main ways that he'll speak to us. You gotta pay attention. Um, this is why we observe. Does that make sense? Okay, I just wanna make sure like we're understanding that why we do this is not just like, oh, done, but I wanna see it, I wanna see it. And, and we spent a lot of time there just for a second going through observation because uh, the next step of application it comes a little bit more natural to our community here at Crossbridge. Now, if someone else from another church is listening in and you're here from another church, maybe this isn't the easiest step for you, but I know that for many of us, this is pretty easy. So we're going to look quickly at application and not spend as much time. And here's, here's the simple thing with application, right? Here's your step that you, you need to get. Do something. Do something. Every time I think of application, it brings me back to the very words of Jesus after he finishes watching the disciples' feet in John 13, 17, where he simply looks at them and he says, now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Not now that you know these things, you are blessed. I would love for it to stop there. All I need to do is study it, right? Jesus' words to his closest followers, now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you what? You do them. You, you have to do something here. And too often, I think, churches, we always get away from the idea that, like, works. Oh, it's not about works. It's about grace. Yes, grace is, is undeniably the, you know, one of the most amazing and incomprehensible gifts from God. 
but he doesn't give that to us so we would learn more. He gives that to us so we would love more, and love is action-oriented. We have to do something. Our works do matter. Ultimately, we have to do something, and we, we did a whole series where we walked through James, the half-brother of Jesus, where he writes to the church in Jerusalem, and he says, listen, l- let me tell you again what Jesus said just in a different way, and he, he points it out in the first chapter, verse 22. He says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. What's this next phrase? Do what it says. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself goes away immediately and forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they've heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. How cool is that? You could read every day. You could keep with your schedule and have all of your check marks, but if there is no revelation, if there is no word for us, It is just another book for Goodreads. When God begins to give us revelation, we have to do something with it. We have to do something with it. James is so unbelievably clear, repeating the very words of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He said, if you're reading it, you got to do something with it. And Sometimes I run into people, and I will be honest, I am that person that I can justify the application piece and not do this, that I could justify my way out of revelation. People have been doing this forever, though, right? They've been doing this. I remember being at a conference with a whole lot of pastors, and we were sitting in a room, and um, sometimes pastors do talk about things that just don't matter, and, and you're like, oh my gosh. Uh, we got This is exhausting to me, but I remember a, a time came where we were unpacking together the story of the Good Samaritan, and these pastors from um, our own tradition in the Christian Missionary Alliance, as well as some other traditions, began to theologically pick this thing apart to try to figure out like what is exactly called uh, of us as pastors to do, and what don't we do, and what does it really mean, and, and what were the responsibilities. And they start going, and I'm sitting there, and, and I'm having trouble. Um, I'm having trouble, and you know me. I do think more practical. I have a very practical approach to life. It's how I live, and I remember stopping, and again, thank you for your grace in loving me because you know that I don't always think about what I say before I say it, that I tend to just go, yeah, so what? What are you doing with that? Like, big deal. And just let's do something. And I, I just, I don't know that I even had the right place to do it, but I did it. <laughs> and they began to go. And I just remember asking them, I'm like, okay, wait. Guys, uh, what are your actual neighbor's names? They're like, what? I'm like, no, no, seriously. What's your neighbor's names? Well, are you talking metaphor? I'm like, no, your literal next door neighbor. Like if you walked out of your home and went, what's their name? Well, I, I, I don't, okay, fine. I mean, you got kids. What's their kids' names? Your kids play together. I don't, what do they do for a living? Well, I take up my parking spots. You know, like what? They looked at me 
so frustrated and like, what, what do you, why does this matter to understanding the passage? And in my mind, it's, why would you even think about this passage if you don't know your neighbor's names? It doesn't matter how much you know if you don't do anything with it. No one will care how much you know until they know how much you care about them, about their life. Application doesn't have to be this super difficult, hard thing for us to do. It's not like, you know, I'm saying come up with a 10-step action plan for your day to get it and, you know, obey it all. No, 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 just, just one thing. Here's what I'm asking you to do. Find one word. Just find one word when you read our chapter together and you're like, this one word is a word for me. One word from God can change all our lives and the lives of the people who are around us. Don't make it harder than it needs to be. Sometimes that word will just jump off the page. Sometimes you'll be thinking throughout the day about that passage and the same word comes up in conversations with people. What's the one word that God has given to you for this day? One word from God is simply enough. And, and I love in my conversations with so many of you over the last two weeks of soaping together, God has given you words. God has called some of you to have a deeper sense of patience as you've read. I, I have not received that word. <laughs> some of you have received words about giving and your generosity towards the people around you, both with time, effort, energy. I praise God for that. Some of you, God has deepened a sense of where to serve and how to serve others around you. The word serve keeps coming up. I love that. All of us are created in the image of God, and he wants to speak to us individually as well as together and do something with it. God will not give you a word and it won't point you to loving the people around you. This is always what it will go back to you. And I am so proud of you for pausing long enough so that God would speak to you because he loves you and speaks to you through his word. But we've got to do something with it. We've got to do something with it. For those of you inviting your neighbors to come with you because you're like, I'm reading, and you're not inviting them because you're like, the worship and the music is so good, or the messages are so good. You're inviting them because you've encountered Jesus, and they're saying yes because they see something different in you. They're coming with you because of you, because of what they see Jesus doing in you that comes from observation and applying what we read. And listen, I know that some of us have been going to church for a long time. Week after week, you sit and you soak in everything that our preaching team brings. You sit, you soak, you sit, you soak, and you've done it here, you've done it at your other churches. But I need to tell you that if you do not put application into your life, if you do not live this out, you will sit, you will soak, and you will sour. You will become one of the most toxic followers, if you can even say a follower of Jesus, because you've done nothing that he has commanded. And you will be blessed when you do something with it, not blessed if you know it all. Our knowledge will puff up, but our love will build up. This has to be practical. Do you know what I'm saying? I know this is uncomfortable for some of you right now. I can see it on your faces because you're going, I don't want to do anything. I like, sit I like sitting. I like soaking it in. You will sour and become bitter. 
this is not all meant for you. It's meant for the communities that we live in. Go and do something. Go and do something. I want to close this out by, um, I know that I can get a little personal sometimes, but um, this one's a little close to home for me. Is Many of you know that I, I, I love to journal, and I put the best and the worst of me in my journals. Uh, I do. I tend to journal when things aren't always going the best, and I was reading over my journals um, this week, and was, as I was preparing for this, I read through this again, and I was, I was surprised from an entry from January 14th in 2015. It was a very um, funky time in the life of our church, in my own personal life, and uh, at that time, I was reading James over and over and over, and there was one word that jumped out to me, and so... I'd love to read you this portion of my journal. I'll have it on the screen. You, there's no way you're going to be able to read my chicken scratch, so. It just says, I'm taking the time to process the word consider in verse 2. How, how do I have an attitude where I can look at my trials and consider them pure joy? Consider makes me think it's a choice. And it's a sign of maturity, ultimately. But that leads into verses 4 and 5 where I need to ask for wisdom because I'm sure I lack it. I need to be sure, to, or I need to be sure not to doubt God that will give it to me, no doubt. But how do I know when I've received this wisdom? How do I know it's right? And I listed three things. Test it via scripture. Do they contradict? Common sense. God gave it to you for a reason. See, I'm even practical with me. Test it via men and women I trust. This gives me perspective. This seems to be a solid foundation, and the more they line up, the more I'll feel confident in the wisdom God's giving me. That should keep me from being tossed around and being double-minded. I will tell you that year was one of the more difficult ones that I have journeyed through, and I had no idea that on January 14th, the God making the word consider jump out to me would be the one word that I needed all year. Consider, Jimmy, what this means. Consider, Jimmy, what that means. Consider your words. Consider your actions. Consider your church. Consider your heart. And God knew I needed that word more than I did at that time. I just want you to know today that God is so deeply in love with you and that he will speak to you if you ask him. He'll speak primarily through his word. He'll speak to you through the people in your life group. He'll speak to you through dreams, through visions, through words. God is speaking to illuminate our path. The question is, are we observing it? And if we do, God forbid if we don't do something with it. How can a young man keep his way pure? By living according to your word. I have hidden your word in my heart so that I might not sin against you. 
And now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Those are the very words of Jesus spoken. And he says, this is my body and blood broken for you. It's communion together. We do this every week together because Jesus has called us to it. Would you stand and pray with me as Jeremy comes out to lead us in communion? God, I thank you deeply that we can praise you through worship earlier today and say, shine your light and let the whole world see that we're singing for the glory of the risen king, that we're singing about being seen and doing things that we've observed about you. I love you. Jesus, would we truly do what you want us to do? Not what we feel like we have to. What we want to. As we consider communion today, would we do these things out of love? In Jesus' name.